Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How good it is to be gathered together today in the name of Jesus Christ and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are uh, almost finished working our way through the story. Uh, but if you are here today and, and you've not been here before uh, in the last number of months, uh, we give this book out as a gift to you as a, as a visitor of our church. Uh, this is the book that we're working our way through. It is the Bible put in chronological order. It's called The Story. You can pick up a copy of this first set of double doors and to the right. Uh, next week will be the final chapter in this story. And those of you who have been around uh, since last September journeying through this, I don't know about you, but it feels like, like this time has flown by. I, I, I personally have thoroughly enjoyed the time going through the story and watching this overarching narrative play out from creation all the way to the new creation next week. So for those of you who have been journeying with us, I pray that this journey through the story has been edifying for your faith. Uh, I pray that if you've never read through the Bible before, that that this is encouraging you to go and get into the Word of God. And for those of you who are regular Bible readers, I pray that this has helped to put things in perspective and put things in, in place. That's my prayer for us in this journey. And I do want to remind you, as I let you know during the announcements about next week, next week is our concluding week for the story, and, and it's this chapter about heaven, about our, our coming hope. And, and for that reason, and at the last day of Sunday school, we'll have a, a heaven party. It'll be a wonderful day if you have friends or neighbors, uh, and especially if they have kids, to, to bring them with. Uh, the party will start at 9.30, but we'd love to have them join us for church as well. So a great day to invite friends and family to join together and hear about this hope that we have in heaven. For those of you, just a quick reminder, those of you who have our parents and have children, um, next week our Sunday school teachers are, are off duty. So during this heaven party, even though it happens during Sunday school hour, you're going to be responsible for your children, all right? So just a, just a reminder on that. It's parents, right? Speaking of parents, I, I already said during the announcements, happy Mother's Day, but this is a good time to acknowledge that this is Mother's Day. So again, to you, mothers... Happy Mother's Day. And to those of you who are not mothers, to the men in this room or women or children who don't have children, today is the day to acknowledge the fact that you do have a mom. Okay. Today is a day to acknowledge the fact that you have a mother and that you only exist in this life because you have a mom. Obviously, a dad as well, but he gets his day in June, all right? So today, though, we focus in on the fact that we exist because we have a mother. I would not exist in this life without my mom, and I am incredibly dependent on my mom. And I do have a mom, and for those of you who have never met my mom, this is a picture of my mom. That's my mom in the middle, not on the right. On the right is my brother, Seth. I have one brother, that's my older brother, and my mom, Lynn. This is a picture of us from, from February. She gave birth to my brother and I, and we give her thanks for the way that she has given life to us and raised us up to be men of faith. And then just for fun, here's a picture of me when I was little. So that's my dad my mom, and my belly sticking out. So that was my son, Max, who had the box up here. So he's a little bit older than this now, but there was a little bit of a resemblance when he was about this age. So he is my son. 
and the barrette in his hair today is because he has an older sister, all right? So just bear with us. All right, today is, today is Mother's Day, and, and often I do not, I, on a daily basis, I don't think that I spend a lot of time acknowledging the fact that I have a mom and that I am dependent on my existence with my mom. It's not like I spend an awful lot of time thinking about this. But when I do, and when I, when I come down to it, I say, I would not exist if it were not my mom, or if it were not for my mom. That's a humbling reality. It's a humbling reality to think of it like this. Now, as we near the end of the story, and today we are in chapter 30 of the story, we, we, we hear about Paul's final days. That's the title of this chapter. Last week, we spoke about the Apostle Paul. We learned about Paul's life and about his missionary journeys. Today, as we near the end of the Apostle Paul's life, we watch him continuously and boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of his bold preaching and teaching, Paul oftentimes faced immense suffering and he faced immense difficult times. Paul was beaten. He had stones thrown at him. He was beaten with stones. He was thrown into prison and eventually the Apostle Paul would even be put to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. And yet he never stopped proclaiming this good news of Jesus Christ. And when Paul proclaimed the goodness of Jesus, you watch him do it with an immense level of bold truth and an overwhelming sense of grace. To the people whom he was preaching to, he just showered them with the grace and truth of Jesus. And then Paul, in those words that we heard from Ephesians chapter 3, when he writes these words from Ephesians 3, he's actually in prison in the city of Rome. He's going through an immensely difficult, suffering time. And at other places in his letters, Paul even goes so far as to say that he will rejoice in his sufferings. Rejoice in sufferings. I don't know about you, but I don't see those two words fitting very well together. Rejoicing and suffering. I, th I mean, we know that we rejoice and we know that we suffer, but Paul says you can rejoice in Christ even as you suffer and even as you struggle. So how is this possible? How can Paul have such a strong and deep faith to handle all the adversity that faces him? I believe it comes from this. Paul knows where he comes from. Paul knows where he comes from. He knows that he was created by God. He knows that he has been redeemed by the love of Jesus Christ. And he knows that the Holy Spirit is in him, giving him power and a new life. Paul knows who he belongs to. He knows who he is. And this is why he can have such a strong faith in the midst of his adversity. Think about it like this. We're, we are one chapter away from the end of the story. And do you realize, as, as we talk today, uh, you're going to hear me talk about the fact that we are dependent on God. We are dependent on God. Paul knew that he was dependent 
on God. And this theme of dependence, if you've been with us over the last nine months, this theme of dependence goes pretty much all the way back to the beginning. And if you were here nine months ago in September, I pretty much preached on this exact same theme in the very beginning of the story. Because what do we learn in the beginning of the story? In the beginning of the story, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we learn that we are dependent on God. That we did not create ourselves. This runs totally countercultural to the American ideal of independence. Right? We are born and bred and raised to think of ourselves as independent, autonomous people who can do whatever we want to do. But in the Christian realm of things, what we learn in the beginning of the story is that we are dependent on God. And that we learn in the beginning of the story that we are not a random assortment of atoms that just happen to come together. We learn in the beginning that we are made in the image and the likeness of God. And we learn in the beginning how intentional God was in creating us. God was so intentional in the creation of all things. And God, when he creates, you know how he creates? Why he creates? He creates out of love. And he creates through love. And so in the beginning, we learn that we are dependent on the love of God. Dependence. You know, I ask you maybe this morning to think about it. Is it a good thing to be dependent on God? Is it a good thing to be dependent? Again, as I told you, I preached on this probably nine months ago. And when I said, is it a good thing to be dependent? You know what the answer is? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is a good thing to be dependent on God because when we recognize and acknowledge that we are dependent on him for our lives, then we actually give him the credit that's due to him. We acknowledge who he is. We acknowledge his role and we acknowledge the reality that we live in. We are dependent. However, However, when we sin, when we sin, we step into this place of independence. And when we step into a place of independence, we follow in the footsteps of Adam and Eve. Think about it like this. What did Adam and Eve do? God had created everything, and God said, Adam and Eve, live according to my plan. Adam and Eve said, no thanks. We're going to do what we want to do, because we know best, right? So they stepped into this place of independence by pushing God out of the picture. If you think about your sin, and when you fall into temptation, what are you doing? The exact same thing. I believe no matter what your sin is, whatever it is that you do, it comes at its core from this issue of saying, no God, I've got this, I don't need you right now. You know, on this Mother's Day, you can think about it like this. You can think about it like this on, on Mother's Day. We are so dependent on God. We, we actually are, even if we don't acknowledge it. But when we sin and when we step into this place of independence, it's almost like if there were a baby in the womb, in a mother's belly, kicking and screaming and hitting and yelling and saying, let me out of here, Mom. I don't need you. I am going to do this on my own. <laughs> 
Now, some of you who have toddlers or young people, you hear that from them often, right? But, but I think we are so dependent on God that, that it is like that small little child in the mother's womb. We are so dependent on God for the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the, all the things that we have in this life, that we cannot deny that reality. We are so dependent on Him. We need God. We need his love in our lives. We are so incredibly dependent on him. And then what we learn from Jesus Christ is that the dependence that we have is actually a good thing. We learn from Jesus Christ that this is a good thing. Because what do we learn from Jesus? We learn that our God is not an angry God. He's not a, he's not a distant God. He's not a mean God. He's a very near God. He's a very loving God. And through Jesus, we learn how his loving arms envelop and wrap us up. As Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, the love of Jesus Christ has breadth, and it has length, and it has height, and it has depth. The love of Jesus Christ is deep and it is wide. The love of Jesus Christ covers over a multitude of sins. And where does the love of Jesus Christ find you? When does it come to you? It comes to you at all times. But when do we most often experience it? When does it become reality? I believe it's when our independence wears out. When we hit that place of depravity, when we are broken and beaten and wearied and suffering, that we recognize the reality that the love of Jesus Christ is with us and has always been with us. Jesus has never left us, nor forsaken us. Now, I've been with a lot of you in various situations in life, and I've been with a lot of you in times of great difficulty, in times of great suffering and sorrow. And even in the last number of days and weeks, I've been with some of you in some of the most difficult situations that you have ever experienced in life. And so I know that some of you right now in this moment are going through immense suffering times, immense reality of the brokenness of this world. And, and I've heard from many of you, even in the last number of weeks, many of you sitting in this room, you've said things to me of this effect. I don't know how I would get through this if not for my faith in Jesus Christ. It's a simple statement, but you come to that place of immense difficulty when everything that is known is stripped away and all of those layers of independence and strength that we can muster fall apart and we go, I've got nothing left. How can I get through this without the love of God in Jesus Christ, which is an eternal love? It is an eternal love, and God promises us an eternal destination in heaven. And this is what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in his final days. Again, I said when he, write, when he wrote those words in the book of Ephesians, he was a prisoner in the city of Rome. He was in prison in Rome, and, and he was imprisoned because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was writing this letter to a church that he had started in a city called Ephesus. 
And he loved those people dearly. And as he is a prisoner for Jesus Christ, he writes them these encouraging words. And I want to share them with you again. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It is a, a heartfelt prayer of this man in prison for his faith to people that he dearly loves. It is a prayer. It is a prayer for the power of the Spirit to be with these people as they struggle. It is a prayer that Christ may dwell within them deeply. It is a prayer that this church may be deeply rooted in the love of Jesus Christ. It is a prayer that we, in our suffering and in our sorrow, somehow, together, that we might be strengthened to understand this immense love of Jesus Christ that even goes beyond anything that we could ever understand. And by doing that, by coming together in this love, we may be filled up to the fullness of of what God offers us. What a powerful prayer it is of Paul to this church. And friends, if I could pray a prayer on your behalf, it would be the same thing. My prayer for you is this, that God would dwell within you richly in the spirit of Jesus Christ and give you an immense power to trust in his name and experience his love. And on this day where we give God thanks for our mothers, may we be reminded of our dependence on them. We give God thanks for their love and for raising us to be the people that we are. And then we take it a layer further and we go, God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've given to us. Thank you for my mom. And we are all incredibly dependent on you. We thank you, Lord, for the life that you've given to us now and forever through Jesus Christ. And now, uh, for those of you who are mothers or grandmothers, or expecting mothers, or desiring at some point in your life to be mothers. My prayer for you is that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ would be with you as you raise these children to know who Jesus is. I pray an extra special prayer of blessing upon you, that you would have the peace and the patience of Jesus Christ to do just that. And that by the power of the Spirit, you would be enriched in your lives to love these children with the love of Christ and to raise them up to comprehend how wide and deep and high and long is the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So may God go with you all and give you his strength in Jesus' name. Amen.